Welcome back to 7525. This is Vanessa. And this is Felicia. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about anxiety and anxiety disorders and how that might play out in how a first responder reacts or feels or deals with anxiety. So anxiety often feels like worry, nervousness, obviously anxiousness. I feel like that's a given. Um, Sometimes I know people can experience where it's anxiety about one thing and then sometimes it's just general anxiety where you just feel worry about a lot of things or maybe you can't pinpoint where the worry feeling is coming from. It's just, I don't know, you ever get that like butterfly pit in your stomach kind of feeling? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. <laughs> uh, often, can I say that? I I think anxiety is very common, especially amongst first responders. It's something I hear about all the time, which is why we thought it would be something good to bring up. Yeah. And I would say first responders don't always feel like the emotional effects of anxiety like yeah they might feel worried but I feel like I see guys complain more of the physical symptoms of anxiety rather than the mental ones or they just think it's normal they're like I just think a lot I'm kind of squirrely they don't actually realize that it's (laughs) ruminating thoughts or worries that are going through them yeah and we'll get we'll get more into it but there's so many physical effects of anxiety Mm mm-hmm Um, it's insane yeah and it looks different for everybody and I feel like a lot of the times I I don't want to say for like civilians their worries aren't grounded but I think the reason why first responders don't always like catch that as as anxiety is because they're actually worrying about like real shit that's going on you know I'm worried about what's going to happen here I'm worried about what's going to happen there it's very easy to kind of go, oh, okay, this is just, I should be worried about this. This is an anxiety. It's just me stressed out about, you know, what's going on at work or what's going on at home or whatever it is that's going on. These responses can be in normal situations, depending on your stress threshold, or in high stress, high distress situations, which is I think more likely to happen in the beginning, but maybe over time, it's those quote-unquote lower stress situations that will kick off that anxiety, but more of it's about not necessarily the level of stress, but it breaking your homeostasis. So if it's not normal to what you're doing at work, maybe you come home and the kids are running around like crazy heads, but they're just being normal kids and there's toys everywhere and... Uh, that might. I feel like my breath pressure is gonna start right? ticking up. That Justin might was build cleaning up that anxiety. the other day, and he was just like, he, "I was like, what are you doing?" And he was like, "I'm just trying to make it easier on you." And I was like, "I didn't even say anything. Like, what are you talking about right now?" Your face doesn't hide anything. That's apparently what it was. Talking about. About. He was like going from room to room, which he normally doesn't do. And he, I was like, what? "I'm trying to hang out here, and you're here fucking picking up every toy car off the floor. Why are we doing that right now?" Speaking of, I need a new house cleaner, so if anybody knows me and knows house cleaners, please, please, please. (laughs) But that's, when you're breaking your homeostasis, you can start to see that anxiety creep in, 
And I know a lot of guys that I talk to, um, remember, I'm just, when I say guys, I'm talking about women too. But I I know that a lot of the guys I talk to, that's when that anxiety comes in or they're like, why am I, why am I getting stressed about this? Why does this bother me? This is such a tiny thing. It's really not. I was like, I was in my office and Kyber and the girls came to visit and they walked in and as soon as their little hands got close to my bookshelves where everything is organized and I keep it wiped down, um, my heart rate picked up. And I started taking stuff off the bookshelves and putting it on the ground and playing with it. And I was like, no, no, my space, my safe space. Um, That causes anxiety. It can be the little things. Again, your system's not used to it. And maybe it started with something more distressing and then it just spills over. And there's, there's a lot of spillover with stress and anxiety and spillover in how it happens, how it occurs and spillover in who it hits. Yeah. And part of this too is remember anxiety is a adrenaline and cortisol based response. Anxiety at its core isn't necessarily a bad thing you need it it kind of tells you like hey something's off kilter something's not matching with how you expected it to so maybe you need to do something about it it's kind of it just becomes a problem when it's chronic or it's prolonged and often if you can reduce some of that adrenaline if you cool down your system you're going to find the anxiety goes down along with it I I think it's important to like briefly touch on Stress, which is just a state of mental or emotional strain. That's what you will find if you look for the definition of it, um, resulting for something that is adverse, adverse to you. Remember, stress can look different for everybody, but that can be like maybe you're under a lot of pressure at work, or maybe you have time frame you're trying to meet or maybe you have lingering paperwork i feel like she is looking at me just avoiding <laughs> eye contact right now so i feel like she's taking jabs at all the things i have a subpoena right now i need to get to i've been avoiding my mailbox because um, i know there's one sitting in there and i'm not anxious about that i'm stressed is it easy yes do i want to do it no it's time consuming <laughs> i'm a little stressed about that i'm not anxious it's not like an imminent thing does that Mm -hmm. make sense stress and anxiety i think can get confused for confused with each other but they are different but at the same time they can coincide i think it's just important to understand that there is a difference but a high amount of stress can lead to anxiety i was just gonna say i think that's the difference stress doesn't always mean anxiety but if you don't take care of that stress it's going to turn into anxiety yes so what can anxiety feel like for a first responder or well I would say anybody but anxiety in the body some of those common symptoms like we talked about is like that gross feeling in your stomach whether it be like the butterflies or the pits feeling sitting there you might have chest tightness or muscle tightness in general Um, teeth grinding or like clenching down your jaw is a good good indicator that you might be having some stress and or anxiety worrying thoughts is another one obviously that's like the hallmark of it racing thoughts too so you could be bouncing from one thought to the next to the next and it feel like it's uncontrollable to an extent or maybe you stop thinking about one thought and you get it out of your head for a second and then all of a sudden a new worry comes up 
or it could be one topic where you're playing the what if game. Well, if this happens and this is going to happen and then what what am I going to do when I have this thing happens and all of a sudden you have allowed your world to implode. And I would argue those are the low key symptoms of anxiety. Yes. Um, unless you're taking them to the extreme. So if you're stuck so much in those ruminating thoughts that it's keeping you from engaging in your daily activities, which I do have a couple of people like that right now, like um, if you can't, I'll just edit that weird sound out. If you can't get through a drive to work without pulling over because you have so much anxiety about an anxiety attack you might have, and how far away from you, away from help you are, something like that that's actually impeding on your ability to carry out your daily activities. It can get severe, uh, but there's other severe symptoms uh, such as vomiting. We've had, we've both had plenty of guys that say they vomit on the way to work mm-hmm. or they vomit when they get home. That can be out of anxiety. Obviously, lack of sleep. I shouldn't say obvious. Lack of sleep is like for everything, but lack of sleep is part of it. Um, Change in your digestive system, change in the way you eat. So maybe you don't eat at all. Maybe you have to really push yourself to eat or maybe you start overeating. Mm -hmm. Headaches. Um, I know some guys who start Having anxiety will start finding ways to medicate too, to get rid of that. So, you know, drinking or smoking, fun things. <laughs> fun things. Using substances to numb out just a little bit or a lot of bit. Or maybe you sleep, but you always feel exhausted anyways. Regardless of how much sleep you get, you still feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. That can be just from the mental exhaustion of anxiety. And there's different types of anxiety, to be clear. There is, I would say, there's anxiety that doesn't need to be diagnosed. There's generalized anxiety disorder. There's social anxiety. I'll just cut out the disorder part. But social anxiety, (laughs) I hear about that a lot. Um, A panic disorder. OCD, uh, post-traumatic stress, there's a lot of anxiety within that, can be, not Mm -hmm. for everyone, and different phobias. So there's different types of anxiety. You know, maybe you do really good on your own, and when you isolate or when you're just with certain people, you do fine, but going out to social events or going out and even getting your groceries, Mm -hmm. something to that extent is actually very difficult for you and those are your anxious moments triggers think about your triggers in those things because if you think about something or you're in a situation and your brain your body automatically starts going nope i don't like this that's probably a good indicator that you're dealing with anxiety but it's also something to think about anxiety doesn't just mean latent worry or nervousness you can, if you're struggling with like general anxiety, general anxiety, you might feel also irritable. Some of these symptoms overlap with like depression and PTSD, like Felicia was saying. So you might feel restless. You might feel wound up. You notice that you're more easily fatigued. 
maybe just because your brain's tired of working, maybe because the anxiety is affecting your sleep, you might struggle to concentrate again. That kind of is into that racing thoughts piece of it, but struggling to maintain focused on one task is common. And even if you're not necessarily thinking about a worry, but your brain is used to bouncing from one thought to the next to the next, that it just struggles even when you're kind of calmed down to chill out. You could also really raise up that anxiety or increase your symptoms by some of the things that you do or add into your system, like caffeine. Caffeine is a big one for my guys. When they stop drinking caffeine because they're anxious and they drink it again, they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I'm, my heart was going to bust out my chest. And I'm like, no, it's just... Or chew. Or chew. Choose another one. That's popular. Yeah. We should try it. No, that's disgusting. No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no judgment no if you do it. But it's gross. Um, but yeah, chew is big. If you're doing the, I think we've mentioned this plenty of times, I'm sure we have, but like, you know, coffee, energy drinks, pre-workout, chew, all the above. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. What are you putting in your body? How are you eating? It actually does affect you. And just so you know, anxiety is really, really common especially amongst first responders. I think in the United States right now, it affects over like 40 million. I think that was as of 2020. That's a a lot. Yeah. And it is important to remember, like when you're listening to evidence, like or evidence episodes like this, and if you start going, oh, I do that, I do that, I do that. Most people do this. Most people have a little bit of worry. They have anxiety, especially when it's triggered by stress stuff or like a stressful situation that's going on in your life. Completely normal. When it becomes not normal is when it's starting to impede on your life. So when it starts impacting your sleep, when it starts impacting your ability to do your normal day-to-day activities, when it starts going into those panic attacks, which is a completely separate disorder, but it is highly related. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and that's like basically where your your system is shutting down. It's going into that fight or flight mode to the extreme. Um, typically, people will start to report that it starts out with worry, and then it goes into the panic attack of like fast heart rate, tightness in your chest, feeling like you can't breathe, heavy weights on your body. All of those kinds of things are an indicator of anxiety attacks or panic attacks called either one or just like having a moment where you worry about it would really suck in this situation to have an anxiety attack so you start to (laughs) have an anxiety build up your system and you create that anxiety attack for yourself and I've had so I just literally was talking to a guy and he was like uh I went to the ER like three times because I thought I was having a heart attack and even went and like saw a specialist and there was nothing nothing so if you feel like you're having a heart attack and it was ruled out (laughs) I had a guy spend three days in the hospital. Yeah. It was nothing. Yeah. Quote, unquote, nothing. Yeah. It's anxiety. Um, But usually first responders don't want to be told it's anxiety because they can't have anxiety. No. You know, they're imperious. (laughs) You don't get that shit. You're special. Um, So a lot of reading I did because I was looking up stuff specifically for anxiety 
everything of course came back to stress, but it was like high stress. And we talked about, you know, stress not being the same as anxiety, but high stress leading to anxiety. It's that buildup and not dealing with stress. Um, and a lot of it was, of course, occupational stress, whether it be... Imagine that. (laughs) Shift work, emergency calls, um, high levels of hypervigilance and preparedness. I'm like, I'm kind of chuckling because it's all like, I'm thinking, of course, you know, uh, but all of the different different occupational stressors that first responders deal with increase all the risks for anxiety amongst other things depression substance abuse panic disorders different phobias health conditions which you guys probably all know about some serious insomnia all of that comes with it of course but anxiety was in just about every And I'm not just like Googling. I was looking up peer-reviewed articles (laughs) uh, that have actually been done within the last five years. So we're talking about reliable sources here. Mm -hmm. But anxiety was listed in every single one. Of course. So you're at a very, very heightened risk for that. (laughs) Which just means it's something you need to watch out for even more. One of the articles I did find uh, I thought was awesome because it it really highlighted the importance of having solid social support. And the whole study they did came back to those who had a good solid social support were at a much less, less risk of all of those things we just mentioned, mm-hmm. especially anxiety. And anxiety is just a door to the worst, right? You have anxiety, you don't deal with it. You're just... It's going to build up. You're probably not going to sleep. That's going to build up. We're probably going to have nightmares. That's going to build up. Just just work your way to PTSD. But so social support, um, whether it be uh, your spouse, your family and friends, if you have colleagues that are supportive in a way where you can break away from the work conversations, that is very good, but it has been very strongly linked to positive mental health, which obviously links back to that anxiety piece. So if anxiety is something you're struggling with, maybe one of the things you look at, and we're not saying this is going to completely solve it, but maybe one of the things you look at is your support system and what that looks like is there is there something you can alter is there something you can add to your support system is there somebody within your quote-unquote support system that isn't very supportive or that is negative you know do you have colleagues that you hang out with outside of work that are always talking about work and driving up that anxiety (laughs) just seeing like are they are they helping or hurting and how could you not saying like chop people out of your life but how can you start although my client started telling his people that my therapist said snip snip doodaloo yeah which you you guys are working on because you shouldn't say my therapist said (laughs) to be clear (laughs) um i mean if it makes you feel better you do you (laughs) uh, or hopefully not though hopefully you find some better words especially don't use that with your spouse 
my therapist says yeah i don't usually angry spouses calling me someone said something to me the other day i won't repeat it but uh i was like don't don't give her that the address to my office please <laughs> he was like oh no no i haven't i was like I don't <laughs> i always hear those stories about you know uh-huh. some angry ass dude hunting down a therapist and shooting her because his wife left and i'm like ah oh. <laughs> jesus you never know i'm just saying i read those and i'm like oh no <laughs> don't give out my address right <laughs> oh man okay so it's also good since i went into that support system it's also good if you're using your family as your support system your spouse as your support system. And I saw a little bit of this on there and we've we've talked about it a thousand times. I just left it, I didn't go too far into that, but I blinked over it and I was like, yes. Thinking about how you're using them as your support system, cause I mean, we've heard from plenty of spouses that it can be very stressful to take on all of that if you're coming home and spilling details of all of your stress or uh, you basically come home and dump every time to get rid of your day and then they're stuck with it it can get difficult for them. So how are you using your support system? And they're not your punching bag. No, and trust me, they start to feel like it. Uh, and I, I actually read a study they did with spouses, and, and it makes sense. You and I both know this, but spouses very closely identify with the culture of their first responder's job. They take like a lot of pride and dignity in it. Um, they engross themselves in the culture and they find oftentimes find support within that culture. Mm-hmm. So they very much become ingrained into this and it becomes very difficult for them and they feel like they have to take on all of the stresses of the first responder and in turn they feel like theirs doesn't matter. So you have to, you have to figure out how it works and how you use your support system so they're not just your dumping ground. And they're there to support you not do the work for you yes they're they're not responsible for your emotions and how you're feeling yes they can be your partner we should make that very clear like I I don't know how clearly just because we I've heard this a little (laughs) bit lately um you know that it's the partner feels responsible for making you feel better or I've literally had you should know how I feel yeah you should know how I feel you should just help me feel better no you should give me ideas Absolutely you sh- you should come up with things. No. I need you to help me with my anxiety and my PTSD. No. And we're not, we're not trying to be assholes, but everyone is in charge of their own happiness. You take care of yourself and your own skills. We are talking about support. So what does that actually look like? And I know we're going a little off topic, but I know that this can be somewhat a confusing co- topic, like how do you support but not do the work for person or vice versa expecting that the person is going to help you know what works for you so we're going to talk probably a little bit later in this episode what are some things that you can do for anxiety as far as reducing it but know your skills that work and then tell your spouse okay these are the things that work for me this is what i'm doing so that way your spouse knows okay for example if you need a break when you're having anxiety and you need to go take a walk outside if you let them know what's going on then your spouse will be like why don't you go take a walk and then the spouse knows I'm not going to follow him or her because I know he needs to cool down. That's what mm-hmm. support looks like. It's not your spouse is sitting in front of you helping you take deep breaths or trying to set up the environment for you. That's that's your job to do. They're just there to be support staff. And sometimes support is a friendly reminder. Yeah. 
of, hey, I can tell you're struggling right now, and I'm here to support you. Just remember that it's not my job to find whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So when you figure out what you want to do or what you need, you let me know and I'm here. Sometimes it's a boundary. Yeah. Going on past the spouses a little, there is also research finally coming out on what you say around your kids and what that can look like and how much kids actually pick up on. Everything. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> everything, just so you know. But and usually on the worst <laughs> set, that's what I feel like. Yeah, yeah, seriously. They're actually finding that kids that grow up in law enforcement families are very hypervigilant. They have various symptoms of PTSD, even though they have not directly experienced the trauma themselves, which, just so you know, you do not have to directly experience the trauma to get PTSD. Mm-hmm. It can be indirect. But they are finding that kids growing up in first responder households where stuff is openly discussed actually have some PTSD. And if they don't have PTSD, they have that hypervigilance, that constant someone's out to get me, or the constant worry of safety for themselves and others. So again, support system, but careful of what you're saying and how you're seeking out that support. I just feel like first responders should all have, like, a decent therapist in their back pocket. Like, if you just need, like, go to the therapist and dump on them and then go home to your wife and be like, okay, I filtered out. This is what you get to hear. Yeah, (laughs) even if it's just, like, maybe you have a therapist because you want to figure out how to engage in your support system because it is so important, but you go to your therapist and say, hey, this is kind of what I want to tell my family. So your therapist can say, awesome, this is how you can say it. So it's going to work. I have plenty of clients where all we do is work on how you're going to communicate something effectively. Your therapist is like your Brita water filter. (laughs) (laughs) Just filter right on through. I feel like you should write that down. (laughs) You just save that, make it a magnet. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to save it. It's coming in. I'm putting that somewhere. I'm going to print it somewhere one day. (laughs) Who wants a sticker? (laughs) Uh, So, so, so true, though. Sometimes that's that's just what you need. We've talked about the symptoms. We've kind of talked about how you should be using your skills when you need them. Remember, that's your responsibility. But how do you fix anxiety? How do you get rid of some of it? Well, there's a lot of different things, and I feel like we talk about sleep every episode, but sleep is just mm-hmm. absolutely important for this. Um, when you're sleeping, what happens? Your brain starts to produce the chemicals that are responsible for emotion regulation. So if you're not sleeping, then you wake up in the morning and you haven't had enough of the production of that those hormones and chemicals, you're already kind of starting out in the negative or red zone, if that's what you want to call it. You know, your emotion regulation isn't going to be great. So then you go and face stressors and something gets triggered, for example, well, now you're going to have an even bigger response to that. And this isn't just anxiety-based. This could be for PTSD. It could be for depression, anger, irritability, any of that stuff. If you're not sleeping good, it is very likely that whatever you're feeling is going to be amplified throughout the day. Yes. And I I feel like people always make a face when the first time first thing I say is so let's get you sleeping better yeah 
because they like want to talk about their issues and tell me what to do and I'm like sleep better yeah right and that's not good enough and like, I, <laughs> no I, it's no. never good enough but you need to get your system cooled down and we need to figure out what is your actual mental and emotional functioning when your system is cool because then you could start figuring out what tools you really need and what actually works mm-hmm. right so if you start getting sleep you might figure out where your baseline actually is is it good to have skills across the board yeah because you're not always going to be cooled down but if you start getting sleep you might g- get a more clear look at what your anxiety r- really is like yes grounding techniques are also a really good way to help deal with anxiety i th- we have a short episode on grounding episodes, I think. Yeah, we do. Um, so take a listen to that. But, you know, anxiety is really just, I feel like it's like putting a box over your head and then getting stuck in there. You don't see anything else. All mm-hmm. you get, all you see is those worries and fears and the physical symptoms of that anxiety. And it's very hard to get out of that. It's hard to change that thought process. So grounding techniques is kind of like a way to take that box off of your head and go oh wait a minute what's actually going on right now what what can I actually see or do or identify in my physical environment you can go into and again we we have a a short episode on this if you want to go back to that but you can do the five senses of course Mm -hmm. you don't have to do all five senses I never do you can ask yourself okay what do I see start pointing things out what do I smell? What do I hear? And that's just grounding you into the here and now. You can do a, go for a walk and see, you know, if you can find things around you that you didn't notice before. You can have a grounding object to just fiddle with. Call it fiddling. Mm-hmm. There's some other good grounding techniques. Fidget toys. <laughs> yeah, fidget toys in general I think are really great. Um, Oh, if you have any repetitive motion, that can be really calming for your system, but something slow. Yeah, like a rocking chair, not pacing. Yeah. Pacing will raise up your anxiety. That, that can be very good for your system. I think it's good to have reactive measures, so like when you're really into that like anxious mindset or feelings or symptoms whatever you want to call it when you're in that it's good to have like those grounding techniques and like meditation or something like that to help refocus but I also think there's like preventative factors like the sleep but also listening to positive stuff or comedy like there was a study that was done where they did like a blood draw before listening to motivational speakers and the blood draw afterwards and what they found that was listening to to positive shit actually lowered the stress hormones like cortisol and all that good stuff so if you can think about that like what are you putting into your system on a daily basis that's cooling it down Mm -hmm. are you listening to something positive or are you spending the day listening to the news or are you listening to the radios all day long are you going home and turning it on and listening to the calls and things like that in your area what notifications are you getting on your watch (laughs) yeah all of that stuff is going to either amp up your system or bring it down you have control over what you're putting into your head for the most part going off of that thinking about what you're feeding yourself as far as self-talk which we mentioned a little bit in the beginning Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it would really suck to have an anxiety attack right now. This is the worst time. Or where would I go? Or what would I do? Or nobody's near me. 
going into that obviously is going to amp up your system. Mm -hmm. So starting to implement whether or not you have that anxiety, it's probably good to start implementing every once in a while, reminding yourself like where you're at, that you're safe, that you have skills, and you're going to have to find your own statements that work for you. The same is not going to work for everybody, but you know, maybe you're, maybe you say I'm, I'm headed to work. I'll be there in 45 minutes. I am perfectly safe. I'm a good driver. I have plenty of skills. I'm going to get to work. I will be fine. Whatever it is. Or I am at a family barbecue. There are people who care about me here and I'm here to have fun. This is a stress-free zone. Mm-hmm. But having statements to go to and reminding yourself of those things and not just when the anxiety starts to pile up, but if, but ahead of time. If you know you're prone to anxiety, you know, be proactive about it. Mm-hmm. If you're stuck in that, like, kind of thought loop, I think we've talked about it before, too, but the whole, like, have a questioning system for yourself if that works for you. So you can go through that, you know, asking yourself, you could, and you could change this up, whatever questions work, you know, is this thought that I'm worrying right now relevant? Is it logical? Is it actually realistic? Do I need to deal with this right now? Or should I be doing something else? You know, what What questions can you ask yourself to help pull yourself out of it? If it is something that you, you're worried about and there is something that you could do to change it, make a plan for that. Even it and try to do something every day or once a week at least to move forward on that plan because I think that's part of it too. Anxiety and worry comes from us sometimes just feeling stagnant and being unable to control things around us. And the moment we give up that control, our our brains start to go, whoa, wait a minute, we don't like this. So I'm going to make you worry about it. So finding some ways to to increase that control for yourself might curb that worry. Speaking of that, um, if it's worries and those ruminating thoughts, we did do an episode recently on thought-stopping techniques. Mm -hmm. If you are the type of person that can just listen and go off of that, you can listen back to that episode or you can go get our our book we just what it's been like a week or two now mm-hmm. on Amazon titled stop that shit and it has the kind of what Vanessa just said it has those questions that goes through to determine whether you need to use a thought stopping technique or if you need to make a plan for that ruminating thought and then it has uh, numerous thought stopping techniques in that book that you can refer back to Some other techniques you could use, of course, are breathing techniques, which we've talked about plenty of times, but there is the tactical or box breathing. Mm -hmm. There's the four, seven, eight breathing. What is it? In for four, hold for seven, out for eight. Yeah. There's a bunch of different breathing techniques. Um, I love the geometric breathing. If you look that up on YouTube, geometric breathing. And you follow the shape, like as the shape expands, you breathe in, as it closes, you breathe out, has a little sound with it. I love that one. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of different breathing techniques, so you can do that. I think with anxiety, it's good to, I think it's better to watch something because if your heart rate is picked up and you're already amped, you may think, oh, I'm doing tactical breathing, but you may be counting really fast. You may be like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, <laughs> because you're already amped up. Yeah, it's just like um, if somebody is freaking out and you tell them, "Don't worry, just breathe." You probably you actually shouldn't say that. You should say like, "Follow my breathing." Mm-hmm. 
actually give them a guide. So give yourself a guide. I would say that's the best way to go. See if it works for you. I think part of that was the reason why it works so too is because skills are typically more effective when it gauges more senses. So if you are mm-hmm. focusing on counting and you're looking at something, maybe you're listening to something because, for example, the geometric breathing, like she was saying, has a sound. So now you're hitting like three or four different senses just in that one tiny little exercise versus just going, I'm going to close my eyes and breathe. Sometimes that's not enough. Mm-hmm. We've had somebody yell at me, yell at us, both of us on the phone. I am breathing. Are you sure? (laughs) But they're hyperventilating. (laughs) So it's it's good to have that visual. There's also the guided visualizations, and we have a tidbit on that if you Mm want to circle back to that. There's also plenty of good ones on YouTube that you could look up, or the Fit On app we've talked about. The Peloton app has some... Calm, Headspace. There's a ton of different apps. I know Fit On is free, so I always tell people about that. There's plenty of free ones on YouTube. But those guided visualizations can be great to help you calm your system. There's ones that are two, three minutes, and there's ones that are 20 minutes. It just depends on what time you have and what works for you. Another one, another app that's good, I think it's specifically for anxiety, but it's called the Tapping Solution. And it ex- that's the first part of it, like when you first sign up. But it's... I th- some of them are free, not all of it, but it like explains how it, as you're repeating and listening to this, you're like tapping on different acupuncture pressure point type thing. So that may be something you also check out. And again, I think it's just because it's, it's giving you some positive self-talk statements, which is really great, but you can select, uh, exercises that are purposeful self-talk about reducing anxiety and increasing feelings of control and all of that good stuff. And you're also triggering your physical symptoms by doing the tapping with it so I feel like that one's a good one I think stretching is good I've been really pushing that on my guys lately nothing aggressive just some light like 10 to 15 minutes stretching Mm -hmm. to get all that excess shit out of your muscles just to allow yourself to relax because you hold a lot of tension in your muscles and that can increase your anxiety. Once the anxiety does kick in, it can feel worse. Yeah. So I've been really pushing my guys to, like, even if you give me 10 minutes a day, just some light stretching. Like, I'm not asking for the fucking splits or anything. Let me go you if you could do that. <laughs> yeah, go you. But something, just some relaxing stretching, you know, to push yourself. Just allow your body to release some of that tension because that tension adds to it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's other things you can do, such as reading. And we mentioned this one before, but the uh, self-talk for stress, anxiety, and depression by Shad Helmsetter. And that one's a very short book. 60 minutes is the slogan. Literally. I don't know if they have that one on audio, but it's such a brief book. Mm-hmm. And the print is kind of large. Yeah. It's nothing crazy. Lots of skip spaces. Yeah. If you're not a reader, you can read this. Mm -hmm. That one's good. And then different tools we've talked about. um, I mean, we have episodes on resources we like, so you can always circle back to that. But the different cards, the mindfulness cards, the CBT deck, the CBT for stress and anxiety deck. Yeah. 
And Did you I say mention coffee? This. No, I said comedy. Oh. But remember, <laughs> the, the decks are not trying to, like, completely change the way that you were thinking. They're not trying to give you some hippy-dippy bullshit kind of stuff. Just read the damn card and do what it says. And if you really don't like it, then move on with your day. You don't have to get stuck on it or be like, oh, my God, am I even doing this card right? I don't understand it. Don't analyze. Yeah, just, just take it and do what you can with it. Yeah, don't, don't overthink. Challenge it. yourself. Don't get crazy. I know you have anxiety, but don't overthink it. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you really, if you start to overthink because you can't figure it out, move on. Find a different card. Yeah, we've heard, we've heard so much about that. Just move on. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a bunch of different decks. Um, sometimes affirmations help. Vanessa just got me the Aaron Condren Affirmations deck, and it's my new favorite one. And uh, all of their stuff is 25% off right now. <laughs> I'm seriously thinking about ordering like four to have them on backup for people. Right. Because I really like them. It's like very clean cards with nothing on the outside, just like the text. Mm-hmm. Quick hitters. It's a new fave. Little stuff like that, though, I think is is really helpful i was flipping through the deck yesterday i flipped through it again last night and again this morning Mm -hmm. (laughs) just because i like it why not and again if we're talking about being proactive it's really good to be proactive against with anxiety and many other things you don't want that anxiety to come on you don't want to feel it period so why not do good things from the get-go versus waiting Mm -hmm. for that anxiety hits and like oh i gotta break out my skills where's that book yeah do this from the get-go. If you keep your system cool, you're much less likely to c- creep over that Yerkes Dotson curve, which we really need to post a picture of, and go into anxiety mode. So At take care of your system from the start. Googled it, so it is what it is. Well, you know what? We're going to post that today. Okay. We're going to be good people. Okay. Because we are good people. We'll put that one that Kyber put the little thing for us on. Mm-hmm. What document was that in? I don't know. You're not helpful. I'm sorry. Damn it. But literally, anxiety is on that curve, so just think about it this. If you're high adrenaline, high cortisol, you're almost guaranteed high anxiety or stress. Another, like, weird one that you might, you could try, just be careful with doing with this one. It's, they call it, like, the experimental technique. But if you're worried about something, sometimes it's helpful to just kind of play it out. Don't just let it cycle to the next thought. Go, okay, if I'm worried about this thing worst case scenario and then go okay how would I actually deal with this if this thing that I'm worried about happened am I unable to deal with this because once you answer that question chances are the answer is yes maybe it would really suck if that thing did happen but you're still capable of dealing with it so do you really need to be worried about it and then you could ask yourself like what what is the percentage or likeliness of this actually happening it's probably pretty low but even if it did, even if somehow that, that did happen, I, I am capable of dealing with it. I already thought it out and what my plan could be. Now, you don't need to have 20,000 plans. It's just good to kind of go, okay, this is a logical thing that I'm stressed out about, but if it does happen, then I, I'm good. I'll be fine. Well, I think that's all we have for you guys today on anxiety, of course. Again, we talk about anxiety, I would say, pretty often, even though it's not the full episodes. So you can circle back and listen to a few of the episodes we have referenced throughout this one Mm -hmm. and find some different skills that 
we've talked about before in much more detail. Yes. We'll probably do a post or something like that that has uh, like a list of skills that you can utilize for anxiety and then you could go and research what works for you. Also though, if I, I don't think I told you, but on our Instagram page, on our like little save story thing, I don't know what you call it, highlights? Highlights, Highlights, yes. right? If you go and look there, there's a little tab now that you could go and click on and it's for our resources checklist. So if you click on it, it'll take you to a Google Doc that you can go and access. Um, right now, it's just card decks, but I'm slowly putting links in there to the books that we recommended and things like that. Yay. So you could click on the link and it'll take you and you could go and buy them. So that's there. That is very techy. Good job. It is. I worked hard on it. But yeah, so see, it pops it up. I'm showing Felicia. You guys can't see it right now, but if you go look, very cool. You could go click on it. I need access to that. I want to add stuff. I want to feel techy. Anyway, so there's a card decks <laughs> one. I'm going to work on books here pretty soon. So it'll be like save stories for all of that. So you guys could go and look on those. But yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening today. for listening to 7525 this podcast is in no way affiliated with any other business or entity as a reminder this podcast does not take the place of mental health treatment if you or someone you love is struggling please contact the national suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255 you can also visit their website at suicideprevention.org if you are looking for a therapist, you may be able to locate one on psychologytoday.com. You can find us at 75.25 on Instagram or 75 backslash 25 on Facebook. 75 is spelled out, 25 numerical.